0: This is Coda Radio, Episode 69, for September 30th, 2013. You're listening to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode's brought to you by our two fine sponsors, GoDaddy.com and Ting.com. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as the show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hello, everybody. Oh wow, that was a pretty subdued intro. I was well, thinking, I, like, I was thinking maybe he'd pull something from our pre-show conversation, which was pretty lively, and I thought, but also a little racy, like, not totally safe for the show. So what is he going to pull from? <laughs> I thought maybe we'd yeah. go to Mickey or Mario, but we didn't go there.
1: Oh, so, um, you know, never mind. That's too racy.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, it is sort of an it's an interesting episode today because we have a lot of ground to cover, and there's some big things going on in the, in the IT world that are going to happen tonight at midnight. And I tell you, all of it, all of it hangs on the fact that I could lose power at any moment, Mr. Michael Dominic. It has yes. been, it has been a wicked, windy couple of days in the Pacific Northwest, wicked and windy. I say. Uh, we have leaves all over the yard. It looks like looks like it has just been devastating out there. I'm crying like Balmer over it. Let me tell you.
1: You know. Gosh. What? That was wrong. I know. I'm sorry.
0: Again, pre-show. It was a little racy on the pre-show today. You know, if you guys want to join us live, you can. We uh, do this show Monday at 9 a.m. Listen, noon it, Eastern.
1: It's, it's Steve's party and he'll cry if he wants to.
0: He sure will. He sure will. And then the entire Internet will circle jerk about how great Bomber is and or at least all oh. of the verge. Oh, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. It's just been obnoxious. But uh, should we get into some of our feedback this week? Because I know we got a big show. Do it. Yeah, okay. All right. So this one, uh, maybe we can give a little help to uh, Dimitri, I think. Dimitris? Uh, do you think I'm getting that right? Demi- Dimitris? I'm not sure. Yeah, I apologize. Dimitri.
1: I thought it was Dimitri, but it said Dimitris in the, in the form. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe, yeah. Well, we'll just go with Dimitri. Yes. Anyways, he says, hi there, Chris and Michael. I consider myself an advanced Java developer, and I've done a lot of Android development. I'm looking into starting to develop a desktop GUI application, but I think I may have bumped into a wall. I'm currently evaluating the languages and GUI toolkits available, and I'd like Michael to help me a bit with making a choice. Here are my candidates, Vala and GTK, C++ and QT, Python and WX widgets, or, you know, anything else that would work with that. Uh, I'm learning towards C++ QT, to be honest, but I think C++ is overcomplicated, and since I'd like to use C++ 11, am I saying that right? C++, okay. 11 features. I think I may have hit lots of incompatibilities when it comes to third-party libraries. Vala GTK, on the other hand, is a fresh language, really familiar to C Sharp, with lots of bindings available that doesn't have any compatibility problems that C++ has. The problem is Vala GTK, though, is that it would be limiting myself to Linux, and I'm not really sure if I want to do that. And lastly, Python. Python is also a good candidate, but for reasons I don't even know, I'm afraid to use it. And let's just say I choose Python. Should I go with Python 2.7 or Python 3.0 plus route? I'm not sure. Are there any other options I should consider language and toolkit wise? What are your comments on what, uh, what are your comments on that? And what would you do, Michael? Thanks a lot. Demetrius.
1: Well, I'd probably go straight objective C Coco on that. I mean, there's no. no.
0: Now, how would you do that? Now he wants to do something that.
1: Is... GNU step, baby. GNU step. step. No, I'm kidding. That doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> um, you know what? No. I, I'm going to give you a. Inappropriate? Yeah. Damn it, Zane. <laughs> so, I would actually not say Python. The chat room, being a bunch of snake charmers, is already saying Python. Um, SnakeDoc is pushing JavaFX. There's a lot of tribalism in the chat room. Of the options you listed, I would go with QT. I've played with Vala. Vala is very cool, but it's not very portable. Which is the problem you mentioned.
0: And he's concerned uh there with the with C plus plus overcomplicating things.
1: Yeah. I mean the thing with the C plus plus stuff is you don't have to use everything in the language, right? You you can go ahead and just use parts of it that are good or that you feel comfortable with. Uh the other side of it is if you have experience in a stack already try to stick with that stack. I don't know why you need to pick a new toolkit for this project. Um, but yeah, I mean, of the, of the options you you presented, if those are the only valid choices, I'd say Qt is probably going to be a good choice.
0: And it seems like long-term, too. That,
1: that's, like a- that's why I'm going with Qt. I know a lot of people, Python fans in the chat, are getting a little uh, uh, venomous. Oh, oh, oh! I see what you did there. Yes! Uh, I don't think do Pythons have venom. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think so actually
1: no they just squeeze the life out of you <laughs> they're, they're choking me yeah there you go Yeah, no but Qt's had a lot of movement right and Qt doesn't seem to be going anywhere Um, and I I know there's a ton of GUI Python frameworks but I just don't hear about them as much and I feel like Qt's got, got legs and Chris I don't know how you feel but you're more of a Linux guy too than I am so I, I feel like in the Linux world Qt's got more legs than Really, anything else he listed? Mm,
0: I don't know. I mean, so much stuff on the Linux desktop is written in Python. It's like,
1: oh, there is that too, especially Ubuntu.
0: Yeah, well, anything yeah. that's you know, uh, it's huge on the GTK side of things for sure. Um, it's 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 a it's a tough that's a tough question to really truly answer because it's it's also in transition right now, and I and I think Canonical's moves are going to influence a lot of people going to Qt. Um, you know, the intelligent side of me says it, sh- it should be Qt. The uh, what I actually f- end up finding myself do, using in practice are the GTK Python applications. They're generally, I don't know, there's just something about them that maybe integrate a little better or they right. feel a little more, I, I hate to use this term, but they feel more native. I don't know.
1: So, you know, but it doesn't but sound like you want it, he wants to target Linux. Well, he mentioned cross-platform too. Yeah, so I, I pictured is, Windows. Which is, kind, which is kind of where Qt shines though, right? Yeah. That's, that's kind of Qt's thing that's going... Uh, You know what? Should we give the lame answer? Hmm. Whatever you're more familiar with and you feel comfortable working (laughs) with. Um, I don't believe you. There you go. a lie. It was a lie. But there is
0: truth in that lie, isn't there? Uh, Okay, so we got an email that came in from Webby, a wizard, and it was about uh, coffee script and other bastardized languages, as he put it. Wow. they almost sound like fighting words, Mr. Dom. He says, aside from personal preference, what's the point? My good friend recommended I apply for a company who is looking for an apprentice CoffeeScript developer. I've done JavaScript and other C-style curly-braced languages, but never heard of CoffeeScript until then. Well, he hasn't been listening to Code Radio enough then. Uh, I go to the official website to view examples, and I'm confused, frustrated, and nearly offended by looking at it. In my opinion, CoffeeScript oh. has taken away all readability and class from JavaScript. Here's my question for the feedback section. Why would a bastardized language like CoffeeScript be appealing for a commercial developer. I feel like this company is asking for trouble by hiring from a specialized pool of developers for no apparent gain. Mike, thank you for your valuable insight, and Chris, thank you for putting on the quality show nearly every week. Webby Wizard. So what do you think, Mike?
1: I I think this man's beverage of choice should definitely be chamomile tea and not coffee.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he definitely maybe needs to back up on the cafe
1: a little bit. (laughs) Uh, I like it, though.
0: That's why I picked it, because it had fire.
1: (laughs) Certainly a very passionate email no um so the coffee script things i i've been pretty hateful of the coffee script not for that reason so in terms of why they're hiring particularly for coffee script i'd be willing to bet that they're probably doing rails or python on the back end and their more senior people are used to that sort of language and i know this is a simplification but visually coffee script looks a lot like rails or python i mean ruby or python right Um, there are some niceties in it. I mean, I'm actually playing with it a bit now at the insistence of uh, someone I'm working with. And it has gotten better.
0: So to me, it sounds like, uh, from from my standpoint, it sounds like when somebody comes to me and says, use this off-brand version of this. It has a lot of the same great stuff, but they've also made things a little better and you know, it's, it's got all these great perks, but then in in reality, once I've used something like that in production for a couple of years and people have moved on, it's like, I'm left holding the bag now for this. And I, I always seem like it's like these, there's mainstream technology choices. And then there's fringe choices that sometimes play out and sometimes Peter out.
1: So I can tell you, um, a lot of rails folks. I know coffee script is very, very common. Outside of that, not so much, right? It's it's it's. I, mean, I know some Pythonistas. Is that what they call themselves? Are, are using it as well? But
0: I, I think they call so. themselves warriors.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Moving right along. Right, uh, yeah, yeah. So my initial objection to CoffeeScript was always, "What's the point?" I have to then go in. I get that it looks beautiful, guys. I, I see that. Thank you. But. If there's something wrong, I still have to debug the JavaScript it's generating, right? Well, That's I, all it's doing.
0: And Webby Wizard actually thought that it took away some of the read- readability in class.
1: So I don't know what he means by class. Does he mean classes in you know classy martini, or does he mean classes in object oriented? I think he
0: means is in, in martini, like oh. you know, because like certain things have an elegance or a class to them. Like I, I could totally get behind that, and I, uh, I totally sometimes can you know get the feeling like there's no elegance to this. Like you so
1: know. I, I think. I'm sorry, what was the writer's name again? I can't see the answer. Webby Wizard. Webby Wizard. May have the same prejudice that I do, which is he's been doing C-style and curly brace languages for a long time, and the other stuff looks kind of weird.
0: So you think he's having a get-off-my-lawn moment?
1: Maybe. The, I mean, he could win this argument by just saying, Coffee script is new. New is bad. Right, yeah. Right. Which is how I answer anybody who requests Node.js. I don't know. I'm giving it a shot. And I'm just doing a simple website in it. I may never do it again. Uh, This would be the third time I tried it out, actually. It seems like at some
0: point you got to look at this kind of stuff and say, okay, well, you know what? It's been in deployment now for a while. Enough people are using it. There seems to be enough benefits. Maybe it's time to take a look. So the problem...
1: So I think there's two issues here. There is a legitimate problem, especially with more junior developers or even senior developers working in large JavaScript code bases, uh, that really doesn't scale. Okay, Because JavaScript lacks, and I know the prototype inheritance people are going to freak out, but for mani- the way most people have been taught how to do software development, classical inheritance is easier to manage, right? JavaScript also lacks any form of namespacing. not doesn't make it a bad language. It's just something that wasn't built in.
0: That's pretty challenging, though, with, with a group.
1: Right. As the simple things in JavaScript aren't bad, but as it gets larger and yeah. larger, you can get you could see where things get out of hand, right? And from a business perspective, if there's a way to just avoid that problem, a lot of people have been going to it, right? I mean, Google invented Dart, which has classes and namespaces. That's basically. exactly
0: what I was gonna say. Is that right. seems like that Google hit that very problem and that's where they created Dart. And and I wonder if, see, this is maybe where Webby Wizard's getting upset because Maybe they are. They don't. Their project does not justify these kinds of considerations. Like, and you can yes, see, like, if it's simple but, and it's small scale, maybe sometimes you would benefit from being a little more mainstream. Things are tight. I, budgets if, are if tight. Time, time is simple. tight. You need. You need a. You need a big skill pool to pull from.
1: I mean, there's there not going to be a clean answer to this.
0: Um, yeah,
1: I mean, the other problem is if we could spend a week or. Week's worth of shows going through all the variants of JavaScript or the the quote replacements, right? I mean, Microsoft's got TypeScript, people are writing about in the chat room. Um, right. There's coffee. Yeah. What's weird about CoffeeScript is it doesn't, you know, TypeScript and Dart are very clear. You like C sharp, you like Java, great. Yeah. <laughs> CoffeeScript is kind of, this is just as pretty as Ruby. And to me, that's kind of a weakness in it. The hell out of here, yeah <laughs> you actually said that Saying I hate you, <laughs> hate you so much was that was that just from the steam announcement? yeah,
0: you know my favorite one, I just gotta play it right now. holy crap yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talk about a pregnant pause, like I was really impressed by something that I just saw.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, the soundboard gross yeah, No, I mean this this whole job is one thing that I think is going to happen is that uh, dart is not gonna win.
0: Well, so, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that.
1: And I don't think TypeScript can win either. Uh, CoffeeScript has done surprisingly well because the Rubyists seem to freaking love it. Mm. But I, I, I still don't get it. That's why I'm doing something. Like, cause I, don't, I don't understand why this is better. So You're going to
0: live it, and then maybe you'll understand.
1: I'm going to live it, and then maybe I'll be on the bandwagon, but yeah. I really don't think so.
0: You're brave. You're brave. All right, well... If uh, that question wasn't tough and hard enough to answer, these have been, these have been like, a lot of, like, big, like, heady questions, like, where it depends. Uh, I got one more for you. Uh, and this one is a playoff of uh, episode uh, 67. It says, hi, Chris. Hi, Dom. Does anybody ever call you Dom?
1: No one, ever.
0: Hm uh, I listened to quarter radio 67, loved it, and Dom <laughs> made the point that Google has mastered keeping its services up and running the majority of the time, while Apple seems to have quality apps, but obviously... Cloud hosting is not their bag. I'm wondering, uh, I'm, as I'm watching both ecosystems, I tend to favor Apple for security. He says, disclaimer, I have an HP touchpad with ice cream sandwich on it. It's lovely. Uh, he says, do you do either of you see them getting both things right anytime soon, like, say, in 2014? Personally, I'd like the security of BlackBerry, freedom and tweakability of Android, and the drive of Apple. Is there ever going to be such a thing? Thanks, guys. Love the show. Jupiter to the yes. world!
1: Absolutely. Google what? is. Are you crazy? Yep. Google is getting better at design far quicker than Apple's getting better at services. Maybe so. Maybe so. The only thing Google will not have is the philosophical walled garden thing because they don't do that.
0: I wonder um, see, to me, um, gosh, I don't know. I just must be like the only guy on the entire internet that feels this way. But it is such a huge. Uh, I don't know how to put this in the right words, but I would majorly prefer local, land based solutions. Over any kind of cloud based solution. So maybe Apple could just keep sucking at the cloud because, to be honest with you, that'd be preferable. I'll give you an example. Let's take AirPlay, right? AirPlay's been out forever in iOS. Like what? So what like iOS 2 or 3 or 4 or something?
1: I think it was 4, right? Yeah, was okay. it yeah.
0: It's a pretty neat feature. And Google is just now kind of developing something for it. And their first step into that is Chromecast. And it is done very well. With a very great price point on the Chromecast device that has seems to have done, you know, has sold very well. But I look at that and I think it is such a Google answer to the problem, right? Where What Apple does is Apple encodes an H264 video stream over your local LAN from your device and sends it to the Apple TV or to a computer or whatever it is. And it goes from one IP address on your LAN to the other IP address on the LAN. The Google solution sends out a command to the Google server up in the cloud and then they queue up the content there and then they stream it down to your device. One approach is probably more reliable, probably the Google approach, to be honest with you. But the thing is, maybe not, I don't know. I mean, AirPlay seems pretty rock solid. But the thing is, is, this is fundamentally always going to be the way these two companies approach technology solutions because they come at them from two completely different directions and they end up with different answers for the same problem. To be honest with you, the one where things go through the cloud, if nothing else offers the potential for things like content ID flagging, you know, oh, sorry, citizen, you don't own a license to watch this on your TV, so we're not going to stream it to your Google Cast. Whereas when something's over the land, it's just, if you have it on the device, you can get it on the other device. There's, you know, there's always going to be potential for abuse when it's going through somebody else's services. So I'm not so sure I want Apple to step up to the level of Google. But I do agree that Google's getting really good at client-side service things, like interfaces and applications. Uh, I, I still I don't think they're still quite there, but... Um, you know they're getting pretty good. I think what you kind of have is <clears throat> tell me what you think of this, Mr. Dominic. Chrome. Uh, I think this was. I don't remember who. I think it was. So, I think it was on this week in Google where they asked the question: Is Chrome Google Play services for the desktop? Right. It's like yeah, this I it's like that, this yeah. API layer that where they're going to build their apps off of it. You're going to have you know notifications coming through Chrome. You've got Chrome Remote Desktop. You've got Chrome Print. Chrome's Cast. Um, it's like it, it's a pretty brilliant move, and it's and they're doing it like in a way that just totally negates what the client operating system is. Doesn't matter if it's Windows, it doesn't matter if it's if it's a Mac, if it's Linux, it just works in Chrome. This is a huge advantage that Google's going to have, right? I mean, this is massive, and this right there is going to force them getting even better at software. Just doing that initiative, I think, and they've already got the cloud end figured out. So I think I agree with you. Google is almost already there and is going to you know beat Apple in both regards. And they're going to have more talent too. I mean, people are going to Google that want to work on this kind of stuff because they're the place to be. So from just like a resource talent standpoint, Google's going to beat them there too. Um, but I'm not so sure it's a future that I actually want. I leave it at that, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, I still think that Apple has a place to play. I just think they need to chill out a little, uh, in terms of, you you mentioned a lot of interesting things about Chrome, and that probably is the future, right? Where 90% of software being developed that's client-side is going to be HTML-based. Because it's going to be the cheapest thing to do as the tooling gets better.
0: Especially as, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, right now, it's still not, I mean, there will always be native software, and there will always even be native software that doesn't really need to be native. (laughs) Yeah. Because, well, some people just prefer the native feel. Yeah. But, I really don't know what the next thing is. I can tell you right now, I don't see a lot of uh, change in the whole smartphone world anytime soon. Other than maybe about voice recognition.
0: Yeah, yeah, that seems to be really taking off. I use the crap yep. out of it for my typing now. And it was right. great for me because I suck at spelling really bad. I'm a horrible speller, but, so the fact that I can just talk to the thing and then it does the spelling is and it's a huge reason why I use it. It's just, you uh, know, with kids it's very difficult with any background right. noise. It It has a lot of work still. Uh, speaking of mobile devices, Mr. Dominic, why don't we stop right here and thank our first sponsor this week. And that, my friends, is Ting.com. Ting is mobile that makes sense. And if you go to coderadio.ting.com, we're going to hook you up with a great do- deal. It'll be $25 off a select device or your service if you're going to bring your own device. And there's a list that Ting has to offer. You know, one of the great things about Ting is we're contract-free and we have no early termination fees. If you're a Ting customer, you're not. you don't have this contract being held over you with the holidays coming up, I think now is a great time to consider some of the things you can do to save money. Once you get into a Ting account, you're really going to be impressed at the savings. The average Ting bill is $21 a month. Mine right now is like $17. You can mix and match all your different phones. So if you want to have some feature phones, some smartphones, you want to have maybe a a a MiFi um, a type device. I believe they call it the Sierra Air you can have all of these on one account with shared pools. It's $6 for one line, and then you only pay for what you use. In fact, one of the really fun things about Ting is this total, this total new approach to the, to the pricing market for cell phones. Generally, on a cell phone contract, you prepay for just a ton of minutes up front that you may or may not use. And they, they try to trick you. Some will try to trick you and claim they're going to do a rollover thing with all of these catches. It, it is so much more streamlined on Ting. Like everything about Ting, it's more streamlined. They break out your minutes and text messages and megabytes at the end of the month, they just see what bucket you fall into, and they'll bill you for that. You can set up alerts in Ting to monitor different things via their Android app or their awesome online dashboard that gives you the tools to really do everything from activate your service to manage your devices, turn devices on and off. And it's so great when you have a family plan because they have all of the phones listed out in the dashboard. You can name them and give them nicknames. You can turn them off. You can reactivate service at any time. It's a really cool system, and it's, it's all matched by an equally cool tech support. If you call them at 1-855-TING-FTW, anytime between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern, a real person answers the phone and will answer your questions. This is great. This is awesome because if you get stuck as being the tech support person for your friends and family, now you have a solution. You give them 1-855-TING-FTW, they call them up and they'll answer the phone and they'll solve the problem. That's really powerful. Also, Ting's got some great devices coming up like the Note 3 and the Moto X is out now on Ting. I think that might be that might be taking the crown away from my HTC One because the Moto X is a great, nicely balanced phone. And uh, for those of us who are big on a smartphone camera, I love the motion sensor they have, where you just twist the hand to activate the camera, and then you just tap anywhere on the glass, and it takes the picture. That's what I'm talking about. It helps you capture those moments. So you go over to coderadio.ting.com. You can save $25 off your first device or your first month of service. They've got some really great devices if you want to save some money or maybe you have a family member who doesn't need the latest and greatest. You can get yourself one of the brand new Ting devices and go over to their Use tab. You can use their Ting personal shopper service to help find a smartphone for you. Or you can just scroll through the list here. One that might catch your interest. Check this out. Samsung Galaxy S3. $385. Now, that's off contract. That's with no early termination fee. That's yours. You own it. You own that phone and you are in complete control of the service and it's a flat $6 a month. Now, when you go to com, you might dig around, maybe check out the Ting blog. They have a great blog and one of the things you'll see is they also have an early termination relief program. That means they're going to take 75% off of your termination fee if you have to get out of a current contract. So go start saving now. Go to com, And thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Love Ting! Mr. Dominic, I have an HTC One, as you know. And I feel like I want a Moto X. Because I feel like that's like the Android, you know... Um, the new kind of nexus i feel like it's a next generation type nexus device right, They're trying right. out new stuff I, I i don't have any justification i'm not going to pick it up but if i was in the market right now that's the one i'd go
1: for I'm awesome all
0: right so we have some hoopla to get into and now I, I don't want to get political on this show but there is a really big event that is is going to be interesting in terms of scaling tonight right and that is uh they flip on the uh obamacare um uh what are, uh healthcare exchanges right Right and hello everybody, there he is. And uh, I'm suspecting, and I think you're expecting massive crashes. Right?
1: <laughs> this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> I, I I can't imagine that this is going to go well. So, wait, is the there only gonna be any thing, lesson for us to learn from this? Do you think, like, so to me, one of two things are going to happen: people will either procrastinate and wait till the end of the year, or they won't know that they could do it effectively midnight tonight. Um. And so, you know, they'll get very little usage and it'll be fine. Or a lot of people have been waiting to file and will crush the system. Because remember, it, you don't have to enroll tonight, right? You have till, uh, if you don't have insurance, you have till the end of the year. So there's a there's a chance that people will actually not crush it yet. will crush it, let's say, December 31st. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. That's probably true, huh?
1: Because I, I have a feeling a lot of people who need this probably don't know about it or wouldn't. Know how to get to the site, right?
0: I wonder if we'll see. Like, did they use a CDN? What language, you know, what right. front end languages did they use? Are we going to see SQL errors spewed out on the pages? Are they going to capture and put nice, friendly messages up? You know, like it's all these kinds of things because, you know, in the past, a lot of times when we see these kind of government type sites rolled out, they're using kind of older, behind the times practices and things like that. So, will we see something fresher? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at, uh, so they don't even have it up, right? It's kind of a... Uh, and actually, I, I believe yeah.
0: I believe they're not even being security audited until today. So they're actually doing security audits on them right now.
1: Right. So this thing might be taken down before <laughs> they even launch it. Like, yeah. I, I, ju- I just went to the only part of the thing I can see, and I already got a Google Chrome JavaScript error. For it would be awesome. Like,
0: you know, cyber threats force uh the exchanges to you know be uh, openings to be delayed by a week or something like right. you know so protection a, from
1: cyber terrorism so a buddy of mine is actually going to need this and i've been on his ass like dude you you need to do this at midnight on the 30th because this thing's either going to get taken down on purpose because of some sort of like you say an audit or a ton of people are going to crush it do you know what i mean yeah i wonder yeah
0: because you know uh- I don't know if we'll see it. I mean, maybe we'll see it in our lifetime, but it does seem like a lot more government type functions are going to go
1: where go online. Of, yeah,
0: and we see this now for like retirement benefits, and and a lot of veteran services are now online. Now we're seeing this so, kind of thing.
1: So here's the thing, though: if there is a lot of enrollment tonight, and if it is uh, successful, so if it doesn't blow up, that would be a really impressive thing to hear. Right? How they did it?
0: Yeah, the team behind that should get a good and pat it, on the back.
1: And maybe they just, you know, bought their way to success, right? Maybe it's just a lot of hardware. Maybe
0: they just got a lot of scale engine servers. No, oh, yes. You know, I mean, that would be one way to do it: is distribute the load out, so they're yeah, not having just it
1: clouded out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe they to run it off Azure. <laughs> so one thing they're doing right is every state has its own exchange. So if you think about it, once you get to the federal page, you they redirect you to your state. Okay. So it's not that terrible. So
0: that's where it's going to choke, is at that redirect. Like everybody, right. if people go directly to their state pages from some Googling, they'll probably be okay. But the folks right. that go to the federal page, that's so going to get hammered.
1: Luckily for nerds, it's really obvious how it works, and you can just do the URL scheme directly. Yeah. yeah. So it was like state equals, you know, and then the government code for your state, right? So like NJ, NY, whatever.
0: So um, anyways, I guess that's just something we'll just watch, and maybe we'll touch on it next weekend, depending on how it goes.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean now so. that I think about it, this might not be a story, but I think December 30th, 31st is going to be a nightmare.
0: Now, um I wanted now we're going to talk a little bit about patent trolls, which is something that I is just really starting to suck the innovation out of developers. I mean, it's starting to get to, you know, develop, they're now they're starting to target one and two man shops. It's getting really really bad and there was just another setback that uh happened um Last week, September 29th is when Ars Technica ran a story about this, and the headline goes: um, "Judge tosses Apple motion, allows Patent Troll Lodsys to continue its rampage," which is such a great headline. Um, This is after two years, the judge uh, lets Lodsys settle its cases, refuses to hear Apple's motion, and now this is the guy that was going after app developers for using in-app purchases, right? Right. So
1: it's not a guy, right? It's It's what's called a non non non-practicing entity. So it is a corporation that literally does nothing but sue people for patents right um so there's a two things of note here uh one apple has a license to these patents to begin with and they feel that they have the right based on some vague wording in the license to uh, well, shield they shield their developers yeah
0: i mean they have exactly they have there's vague language that shields apple from in-app purchase Like licensed that and now they're trying to claim that covers app store apps and if Apple, so this would, just as an aside, before we get too far down this, if Apple was able to offer protection from patent trolls, if by being part of the app store, that would be huge.
1: Yeah. And impossible. I think
0: that's what, right. I mean, that's yeah. impossible. Although when you talk about being the richest, one of the richest companies in the world, there is a few things that would be worth spending your money on. And that's one of them. Right. So, okay. So anyway, so Apple goes in, tries to fight this and say, no, no, this applies to all developers who submit to the app store. Judge so, throws that yeah, out.
1: I mean, obviously not a lawyer, but it, the way it rang out is apple's argument was if you have a problem with the license your problem is with us not with them which if you're a patent troll going against apple google or microsoft is uh, not wise right right Maybe they'll rush you
0: they have full-time lawyers just waiting for
1: this stuff unfortunately the great state of texas uh forgot what it was like to be ruled by mexico oh i'm sorry Jesus. oh ouch whoa and uh, has geez. allowed their judicial system to be basically a joke Sorry, guys.
0: Yeah, well, there's this there's – there's like a specific- – They call it
1: – it is known in software and legal circles as the rocket docket. <laughs> it is an absolute disgrace.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's like – it's, it's got to be like a payola thing or something, right?
1: Well, what it I- is is that these companies have empty offices in this one area of East Texas where the courts are incredibly friendly and also insist that the defendants move very quickly. Oh, and present themselves to Texas. Uh, The reason for that is if you don't know, if you do not have an office in a state, it's very hard to sue someone in that state. But if you have your place of business there, you can actually drag the person across the country.
0: Right. Yeah, this is really shady. So that's like – and what ends up happening, the way I heard it described by uh, um, a Newegg uh, representative was the what ends up happening is there's almost now this industry for these types of cases. And so there's like all these incentives along the way – to keep the jobs around and like everything from like the guys that get the rent checks for all of these offices that these companies open down there. Those guys are making money. The office clerks in the courthouses, you know, they have to hire more of those. The judges are probably getting, you know, some kind of deal. I mean, there's like all these incentives along the way to keep these kind of things going.
1: And and honestly, the, the big loser here is, is not even software developers, but the people of this district in Texas, um, Because what happens is these lawyers go down there, and they don't say, yeah, we have this patent. We're suing for patent infringing. Great. They say, we're this small three-man company who has this intellectual property. We're defending our intellectual property. Because part of it is generally you can't get the jury to see that the company who's suing you does not actually develop anything. Right? Right? That they are, in fact, a non-practicing entity.
0: Yeah, they're taking advantage of multiple things in the system. They're taking it all but, the way down to the jury's lack of understanding of what the hell they're talking about.
1: Right. You can't put the, the uh, plaintiff on trial unless they open the door themselves, right? So you can't call the guy suing you to the stand. And even if you did, you know, you're, you're not allowed to say, well, what have you used this patent for? Oh, nothing. Under the law, that doesn't matter, right? The patent is a thing in itself. So what happens is the people of Texas get played for fools, the um, corrupt, get richer, and uh, Chris and I moving to England.
0: Jeez. And what's, what it seems to me is that nobody has any, any intent of actually fixing this system.
1: Well, it would be – the problem is to fix a system, you have to fix the law. And this is another case where – I know getting a little unfiltered here. How are state laws not the same, <laughs>
0: right? Whoa, whoa well there. Whoa well there, Mr. Liberal.
1: I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not even a liberal, but uh, how, yeah. how can Texas be doing something different? It does seem
0: weird too, especially when now it, when companies are, um, you know, at minimum these these companies are national, and at for the most of them they're you know worldwide companies, and then they get drawn. they get drug into this courthouse in Texas
1: <laughs> because Texas is friendly to this. It's like the old right? Wild West, man. In a way, it's like easy.
0: Yeah, it's I don't know. It is kind of strange. And it, and it, unfortunately, you know, it's one thing for Apple and Microsoft to fight the, these things, but it, I mean, what if this guy came, what if, what if you had a in-app, do you have any in-app purchases in your apps? No. What if you did? I mean, would you be concerned about being targeted by this?
1: I probably, I mean, again, I, I don't think I would make enough money for them to care. Um, having said that, I would be unlikely to settle. Because I, I don't, I don't know that I could settle. Because I have this strange idea in my head that Chris, you, you've been a, a boy on the schoolyard in middle school, right? Bullies. Right. If you let one guy push you and you don't punch him in the mouth, the next guy pushes you harder.
0: You know, um, I believe you are echoing the sentiments of uh, Miss Martha Stewart. Have you heard about this? She's going after Lodsys.
1: and she's been to prison.
0: Yeah, dude. <laughs> Freaking Martha Stewart. Like, what was the, I don't remember the story, like, about that. It was, that, but,
1: it was uh, embezzlement. No, it was some kind of income tax nonsense, right? She shouldn't have gotten that. Yeah,
0: I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so Martha Stewart uh, files a lawsuit against LodSys following a patent infringement accusations they made against her app. And uh, I guess she has some iPad app that they were going to come after her about. And so she's like, bring it.
1: <laughs> so she's going to fight LodSys. Martha Stewart is. <laughs> if, okay, might seem weird. She's been to prison if you've ever seen her on TV, she is skillful with a knife. I'm not sure that I want this fight if I'm Lutz. Well,
0: and just, you know, we it, she's got she has the she has the pockets to support something like this, which is so. I guess so. What I'm what I'm dancing around about is my fear of this podcast patent uh, troll that's going around right now. And essentially, what it is is he says if you have an RSS feed that are they again? It's the same non-practicing
1: kind right, of thing. Right, entity crap.
0: Yeah. If you have an RSS feed that has an embedded, you know, a media file type link in it. You're violating this patent essentially, so its you know anything anything any r s s feed for a podcast violates that patent, and so right now i, I they've sued Adam Corolla's network they've sued the discovery network they've sued like a whole bunch the of big, well now yeah. they're getting smaller now uh I can't remember like there was a there was a network they sued recently that kind of made me a little nervous um but and they've also and the other thing that's made me a little nervous about it oh uh, uh is some piece a couple of companies have settled. Um, yeah. So that's like one of those things where they're starting to get to be a little bit of precedent of people settling with them, which is not a great, not a great thing. So, and to me, this this kind of thing, if, oh, so right now, as of this article, CBS, NBC, How Stuff Works, uh, ToggyNet have all trials scheduled in 2014. Um, and again, this is based out of that, uh, courthouse in, in the Eastern District of Texas. All of this is again, um, Personal audio, the personal audio podcast patent, U.S. Trademark Office, we're preparing a petition to challenging the so called podcast patent. So they have, the EFF is working on like challenging their patent. But they've also, now this article was, this article ran semi recently, but I I guess they've gone after more people now. Um, And more people have settled too. And I I look at this and I think this would wipe out my business. You know, all the shows would have to be gone if they came. There's no way I could fight this.
1: Yeah. I mean, write your congressman, right? I mean, to me, this is not a patent issue. This is even worse than that. The fact that they're specifically going to Texas and one district in particular, um, to me, this is an issue for the people of Texas to actually stand up and say, we are not the idiots of the union, right? We're not the stupid people in, out of all 50 states. Because right now, if you think about it, are they idiots? Like how could they keep falling for this shit over and over No, they're and over making again? money. If
0: they, if they look at it as a booming business for that.
1: So the jurors are playing along then when they're getting these convictions or these settlements.
0: Well, yeah. Or, well, they're fooling the jurors. And so the courthouse can say, well, look, well, the jurors keep finding about. them. That's what talking
1: about. The ordinary citizens of this district who are not involved in the business at all who get summoned for jury duty are being played like fools.
0: Well, they also get a hand in picking the jury, right? So-
1: right. But here's a fun fact. If you're on a jury, you can choose to vote any way you want, and you don't have to tell them why, even if they give you instructions. You could walk into a courtroom and be like, I don't convict. As long as you don't tell the judge that, they can't do shit. And that's what needs to happen. Hang every jury. Just 11 to 10, 11 to 12. No convictions, no judgments, nothing.
0: I think they stack the jury. and Of course they do. And I yeah. think they also, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's just this problem of people just not understanding what the hell people are talking about. And like they 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 propose some of these things like we invented this amazing incredible technology and look well, at well, all the people they are play, making money. They play
1: up. the inventor in his garage card. That's full of shit. Right? Yeah, because right.
0: they're not they're not the people who even invented it right. in those cases. They've bought it up and now they it's part of their patent portfolio. And they right. sit here and they trade these things back and forth with other companies, selling them to each other like pieces of real estate. And then they go after the you know like um, when uh, Oracle bought Sun. A huge reason they bought Sun was because they planned to sue Google over infringement on, on the some Java. I can't remember what it was now.
1: But. Java. It was Java. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I, like, that was part of the sales structure. Like, that's part of the reason why they got so much money is because they're like, well, we're going to be able to use this and we can make even more money off this.
1: Well, think about this. How much money is lost in the domestic economy just on this crap alone?
0: Oh, I heard a stat recently. It was like something like, oh, I don't want to say 60 billion, but it was something crazy like that.
1: Well, we outlaw software patents and... There's a stimulus package that didn't cost a dime. What
0: are you gonna <sighs> do with all those unemployed lawyers?
1: I'm uh, I'm gonna have to plead the fifth. Get oh, the hell out of here. Well we, we can, we can, Yeah, Yes, so I have some ideas, but
0: hmm. all right. Well, why don't we uh, take a break right here and uh, thank our second sponsor this week, Mr. Dominic. Now. I don't know how long we're gonna have this great GoDaddy deal, but we do have I think, I haven't heard otherwise yet, but I can't imagine they can do it forever. But GoDaddy.com, if you use the code CODER199, when you check out over at Godaddy.com or use the link in our show notes, you're gonna get a dot com for a dollar ninety nine. Additional dot coms, nine ninety nine, still a great deal. When I I I'm not sure how long they can do this, but I say take advantage of it now because I think of all of the things I could use a dot com for, forwarding to my Google Plus profile. Forwarding to, uh, like, an event coming up, a Tumblr page where you have a description, even a photo gallery online from something. Anything you could use to make it easier. You want to put it on a card, whatever, get a .com. Use the code CODER199 when you check out. Also take advantage of some of the other things. If you have a blog, try out some of the GoDaddy hosting and also try out the GoDaddy uh, website acceleration where they put some of your images and content and CSS on a CDN. You'll see a massive benefit in speed improvement. It's incredible because all modern browsers take advantage of that, and you also get a better Google rating. So you can get a you can start at the .com. Use the code show one ninety nine. Get a .com for anything then go get yourself some hosting later on and try out some of these different services. You can just turn them on and turn them off as you want. GoDaddy has a fantastic administration panel to make all of that possible. And if you're in a small business or a team, it gets even better. There's delegation, there's controls, there's auditing, there's logging. It's fantastic working with a group, one or two people, to way, way more. It scales perfectly fine. So I recommend GoDaddy for anyone who's doing some collaborative work too. So go to our show notes and click on the banner or go over to godaddy.com and use the code show or Coder199. coder one ninety nine coder, don't give that Linux action showing credit. Give it to give it to the coder radio. Show.
1: Yeah, don't give it. You know, uh, coder radio needs a, a continuing resolution to keep going. We're we're sequestering here.
0: That's true. We don't want to go into shutdown, right?
1: Yeah, and we need to tax those rich Linux users.
0: <laughs> hmm. I wonder. Uh, I wonder how that gonna. You know, I don't know. I don't believe you. I don't think I believe you. But uh, thanks to everybody for supporting our sponsor. They do uh, keep us on the air, and we do appreciate that. We want to avoid a coder radio shutdown you can use you can help us do that by using the code coder199 when you check out over at godaddy.com and thanks to godaddy for sponsoring the coder radio program. Okay, Mr. Dominic, now we have a couple other things on the docket. Did you have any other thoughts on the patent troll stuff?
1: I love lawyers. I know, right? Ah, oh, sigh. All right. Well, so <laughs>
0: There was an article that uh, caught both our eye over the weekend. I think, or uh, it was on the 30th. So I guess it actually wow, it came out today.
1: This um, is breaking news. It is. You know what, Chris? No one has thought of this or spoken publicly or written publicly about this problem before. Well, let's let's let's.
0: Right. This is yeah. this is breaking news right here on the Quota Radio program. Uh, the uh, headline is worth less than a cup of coffee, and they talk about. Um, sort of, I guess you've posted as the race to the bottom, right? As is in terms of software prices. And
1: go ahead. This is the drum I've been beating almost since the beginning of the show for almost a year now. Which has
0: Uh, gotten you in trouble with some of our audience. I think they've probably tuned out now, but right.
1: Which has got me in some trouble. And with some of my, uh, my cocoa loving friends who didn't friends is a loose term They're to me there's been a problem that's been building for over about two years now, in that as the prices in the apps went down, even the most trivial apps were becoming not sustainable, right? Um, the author of this post, uh, worth, worth less than a cup of coffee, goes into details how he doesn't understand. People won't pay, they'll pay a $2, what or is a cup of coffee at Starbucks, like $2, bucks, dollar Probably. And they won't pay $0.99 cents for an app, right? Which even $0.99... Cents I've been arguing is totally unsustainable to begin with, um, but of course, you know I was hammering on that. I was going through you know cost of supporting a user. I've I've done the whole gamut, spoken at local meetups, and I've pretty much been getting my ass kicked for about a year now. <laughs> Jeez. And I've been told I'm being a jerk. It's jealousy. You envy them. You just hate them. You're an asshole. Blah 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 blah. I had one guy tell me to go bang off straight out like that it was just because I, I didn't understand, you know, proper design is why, uh, you know.
0: It seems pretty obvious to me that we've been right. we've been on a, a steep decline. I mean, I, I come from a time when my video editor cost $1,200, my photo editor cost $1,000. Right. I mean, I'm talking, not I'm the grand we, I, I actually have bought some of these things at those prices, but I, I you know, I mean, you, you, several years ago, my point is, many years ago, it was price, software, you didn't walk out of the store below $25 for a box of software. I mean, that was a great deal. $25 was a great deal. 60 would be kind of, they're almost more of the console game prices.
1: But this is, yeah, and, th- and that was my experience too, obviously, being from you know that time. So uh, in particular, and I, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I was at a meetup in New York for uh, iOS people, and I got some very unfriendly remarks back. Uh, very aggressive. What is their argument? You're wrong. Well, some of the I mean, there's the petty argument of you're just jealous, right? Or this isn't true, look at Marco Arment, look at David on you know underscore David Smith, look at insert relatively famous Apple guy here, or formal Apple engineer here, right?
0: It seems like to me it would depend a little more on the category. Like I don't know, I mean I'm willing to pay like three. Which
1: was part of my argument, games do better, but they don't do better if you sell them outright.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Plants vs. Zombies too is like making some sort of crazy amount of money, and it's free. Right.
1: But I'm more interested in productivity apps, things like that. So that was roughly eight months ago, right, when I, did, when I gave my little lecture and, and got hissed out of the room. Well, now the same people I just mentioned are writing these articles themselves. What could have happened? Mm, They've all had to build new products and look at revenue models. And holy crap, it's really not sustainable because users are demanding more support, more of your time, uh, flawless infrastructure, and are willing to pay virtually nothing.
0: Yeah, I agree with Zane. Maybe, uh, Maybe these guys should become patent trolls. Seems to be a good way to make money. <laughs> yes. So I, we've talked about this before, so I don't want to totally retread ground here. But I guess my point is this is always going to happen because it's in the platform owner's best interest to make software as cheap as possible because it makes the hardware more valuable.
1: Right. And to, and to be fair, one of the things I was suggesting that people didn't like was that, you know, we have these these top tier people who, are, who have done well. It would be beneficial for everybody, uh, but not the platform, if they actually started charging more. Right. So and if, of course, we made an effort to, you know, let's say if you have a choice between Instapaper and let's say Pocket, right, buy Instapaper because Instapaper is a paid app. And at the time was a one-man band rather than Pocket, which is just a clone. This is never going to happen. I understand. No, but like, because I, I even it.
0: if all of the development community banded together, you still are going to have people putting their apps in there at crazy different prices, and you'd never get. You're never going to get. You're never going to be able to tell Joe consumer buy this three ninety nine app over this free app that do essentially the same thing.
1: Right, and and what's happening is there's this myth of the lone hacker, and a lot of these successful people are being held up as idols, and I, I'm seeing a lot of developers doing things, particularly with the revenue side of their projects, that. I would consider are crazy just on the chance that they'll, you know, they're forcing themselves into a a bimodal market where they're either going to do really well or they're going to totally fail. Um which we've talked about before, right? You either sell a million copies or you sell zero.
0: Yeah, and I it's, I do yeah. agree to that uh, with the chat room that whenever I do see a paid app, I'll generally like if the developer has a free and a paid, and I have, and, and I and I intend to use it, I'll generally pick up the paid one to try to support them. Maybe so that you know some people are going to be willing to do that. I I guess I feel like <clears throat> maybe this the problem is is that there's in the past there was all these artificial barriers to market, and at each step in the way, it was driving the price up, but. I also know people that sold software in boxes on the shelves, and at the end of the day, because everybody, you know, the distributor, the people making the box, the people at the store were taking a cut, they really didn't make a ton of money then either.
1: Right. I'm not suggesting we need to go back to $100 a unit, which is, I think, what you and I are used to paying or we're used to paying.
0: But you just see, you can't even justify it because there's not the difficulty. And I mean, part of that cost was getting it to market. Now that barrier has been removed because you upload a, you know, a binary blob to some server and then they distribute it across their CDN. It's, you know, it's, it's totally much easier to distribute now. So the cost to, to, to to deliver an app is way down.
1: It is, but it's not zero. Right. And it's not 99 cents, but I just want to address something in the chat. I'm the boss. spelled very strangely. Uh, this is the, almost the exact thing that the guy at the conference was arguing with me about. People will still pay for apps if you have great design. The numbers do not agree with you. Yes, certain people will, particularly well, in the Mac space.
0: Well, and what game are you going to win? So they're, gonna, they're willing to spend $3.99 over $0.99 cents or willing to spend twenty-four right. ninety-nine over
1: but over $12? What? The, the quote, people who care about great design are such a small, insignificant percentage of the market. There's a lot of cases now where you're better off not hiring a designer. <laughs> Because it doesn't matter um, unless you are doing something very high end, right? Unless you're doing... The only reason
0: why I disagree there is because there's that whole featured aspect to the App Store that kind of changes the game up. Where if you know, you've got something that right. is really unique, you have a good chance of getting some good placement and then your sales definitely respond.
1: Okay, but if you're budgeting your project based on you think by doing this you'll get featured, unless it's an OS release like 7 where you know you had a better shot... I, I don't see it, right? I don't see the return. I guess
0: what, for me, when I see something well-designed, it is, it is obvious that a lot of work went into it. If you give me an app that on the, on, under the hood is like the most amazing technical advancement in apps ever, I have no way as a user of quantifying that at all. And if, especially if it doesn't have a good UI. But when the UI is good, that's literally just something I can look at and go, oh, that took them a lot of work, therefore it's worth more.
1: So let's let's follow this down even further, though. Right? Let's say that's true. Let's give it to you and I'm the boss, right? Let's say they'll pay. Will they pay $20? Are
0: we talking just mobile or are we talking desktop?
1: I'll even say desktop.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think $20 okay. on the desktop is too high at all.
1: I don't know how true that is, right? So I'm saying there's a Mac app called Napkin, which is actually going to be our tool of the week because it's awesome. Oh, yeah, okay. They are charging $40 for it. And I, I forgot what podcast, but the developer of it was on, and he gets the number one complaint he gets is that it's too expensive.
0: Yeah, that's always going to happen, though.
1: Right. And it, it matters if it sells. Well, the, the, it sells, right? But it, he, no one's getting rich. And the problem is that's another outlier. The vast majority of people cannot move a paid app, even if it's ninety nine cents. So he's
0: charging thirty nine ninety nine
1: for now. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's how Apple does the pricing, but I mean, I get the design argument. And you know what? I think to a point, I do agree with you in the end. But anytime we see numbers, the picture's very grim. Yeah. And yes, if your app is well designed, people like me will love it. You know, you might even get featured on a show like Coder Radio, which is great. But that is not going to be enough to sustain you know, to make that app your living. Right. Whereas in the past, a lot of developers that's what they did, right? They had one or two apps that they developed and, and that was it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well look at Steve Gibson, right? I mean that guy has made right. his entire his entire living off of selling spin right.
1: Spin right. Right. And that that's what I'm getting at. And also the you know, all of a sudden, holy crap, we can't do updates. Well, this is not all of a sudden. Right? Upgrades, you mean? Uh, no, uh, upgrades, yeah. I'm sorry, paid upgrades. Mm-hmm. And what's concerning me is, you know, when I and, and a few other people were screaming about this stuff on iOS and, and Mac. Well, it's going to be true on Android, too. We, yeah, but no one cares, I mean. Oh,
0: jeez.
1: All right, so if you want to talk about that, the numbers on Android are much worse, because uh, Android, when we talked about this, has a very few developers who are doing very well.
0: Oh, man, you would have hated this, dude. I was at a family event, and uh, my uh, my grandma has like a, a feature phone, right? And she leans right. over to my uh, cousin, and she says, he's about he's mid-30s, and she says, what do you have there? And he says, this is an Android phone. And she says, oh, Android, I'm not familiar with that. What's How's that different than the iPhone? And do you know what his answer was? All the apps are free.
1: Unfortunately, I've heard people in the phone store tell that to people.
0: Yeah, it's on un- I my mouth dropped open when I heard that. Yeah, Android, all the apps are free.
1: Yep.
0: It's that's a bad image too. This is really going to suck for developers because that's, you know what? That sells phones. When they tell people that, that sells phones, they're not going to stop right. saying
1: it. But but this is my point. When I and others were making a big deal of these problems a year ago or even earlier, we basically got, you know, pushed out of meetings and slapped down, blackballed. All of a sudden, it's a big deal. When a year ago, or even earlier, the community as a whole could have done something to stop this, right, or to at least make the pain a little less.
0: It, it started. It started when. It started. It some of it is from the web, right? Because so much stuff on the web is free. And then those same people
1: don't even get, don't even get me started on Google apps and uh, how. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's also, I mean, so I was going to say, so Google has set a precedent with a lot of the Google services that are free. And then those have translated into free apps. Uh, But also then Apple, you know, when they set the price of pages and now they're just giving away their office suite. Yeah. uh, They are setting the pace for the market right there. Both Google and Google has set the pace and said free and apple has said free in some cases or really incredibly cheap you want even logic on the desktop you know what is it 199 i don't even know uh, it, it's just it, there's there's i in, in my opinion there's no solution here other than a bottoming out and then sort of a shakeout of the market and then new people come in with new generation of apps i expect with ios 7 to see a total new generation of apps all with you know uh, buy, buy, buy. Yeah. I, tons of people just upgraded for free. They upgraded their apps for free to the new versions, and I thought, boy, if there was ever a point somebody was going to be able to charge again, it would be this.
1: But no. It's just, um, I mean, I, I would love to see a, um, I'm sure you're familiar, Chris, with the concept of dumping in terms of prices. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that concept applied to software. You know, I, I kind of feel like you should pay for g- Gmail and Google Docs.
0: I guess like you can't say you want to throw out software patents, but then also say you want a dumping law that prevents people from dumping prices.
1: Right? Why can't you? I don't know. Why can't you have both? Why?
0: <laughs> well, because it seems like you're asking for no market. I don't know. It seems to be a mismatch a little bit. You're asking for-
1: Not at all. I, I'm I'm saying that software patents destroy small software companies because they don't have the legal resources to defend themselves. And
0: I guess soft price dumping and, does too. And
1: price dumping yeah, okay. effectively seals up the market from small companies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it is more, it is, it is a little harder because back in the day you had certainly Microsoft, the platform provider, the majority platform provider had their own software suite that killed the competition for office and things like that. But you, at the end of the day, it was much more level playing field for getting your application on there. In fact, I've actually heard people call windows an open platform, not in terms of like, code, but in terms of getting your software on there. And now, now you fast forward to 2013 and all of these guys have all of their own solutions and they all set the tone and none of them, I don't think any of them are going to change for what, for what independent developers want. And to me, it seems like it's kind of, it's kind of like, a guess what guys got to come up with a new way to make money. Kind of So the only
1: ray of hope I've seen is that a lot of, uh, folks on the Mac side have actually started. Just straight out telling you, oh yeah, you can't get this update um, at the discounted price because you're on the Mac App Store. Sorry. <laughs> Which they're not happy about, obviously, but I-, I almost feel like we need to push back on this a little bit.
0: Yeah, to make it, make it painful for the users so that way they push on Apple. And then-
1: right, to make it a terror. And one thing Apple is, they don't like bad experiences, right?
0: Apple can't really afford to change anything as long as the other big market uh, machines aren't changing anything either. I mean, that would give them a competitive disadvantage.
1: Well, I mean, but nobody's doing paid updates. Apple could do that, right? Paid upgrades where it's like, you know, version 2.
0: I mean, Cheeseburg might be right. I mean, so Valve says this is where Linux comes in because Linux solves this problem.
1: Right, and that's that's new. Gabe Newell's whole argument is the current platform owners have not, have lost the interest of the development community. Uh, we're going to come in to save the day. I'm not well, sure. Well,
0: and no, because, I mean, it, now, see, what they have to do is they have to make their own product, SteamOS, right? That's how they had right. to solve this problem. But there's tremendous value here in the sense that there really is no single stakeholder that's driving the platform like this, right? It's just, here's the code, it's a general technology platform, use it as you want and deliver. Now, what you need as a developer is canonical to have really done really well on the desktop and have a great desktop for you to target. Steam, you know, they look at this and going, well, you know, if we want to do this, we're going to have to build our own thing.
1: Yeah, I'm a little wait and see on the whole SteamOS thing. I'm just not... I'm excited. I I just I want to. Do you know what I mean? I want to see it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You want to see if it actually works and delivers. Yeah, yeah. Same with like the controller and all that kind of stuff. Yes, the
1: controller.
0: I think I think if it works, it could be great. I think it could be. I think it could be really great for new games and and you know people to make applications that. Uh, you know, when I look in Steam, I mean, yeah, sometimes there's fantastic prices, and also sometimes there's games that are 120 dollars, right? I mean, the, so. I, to me, it seems like Linux and these types of things totally solve all the problems that you have here. It's just that there's not a complete solution yet. Like, if if SteamOS and the Steam Box are all successful, that's going to be a great marketplace for developers.
1: Uh, again, let's see, right? Well, I know. I know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I mean, optimistic. My dream scenario is that, you know, some derivative of Ubuntu, because obviously Canonical doesn't care enough to do themselves anymore, Oh, comes out and... uh gains enough market share where it's like, you know, OS ten circa two thousand. Ooh. Okay, but less crappy.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say that was pretty bad. Well it was pretty yeah. pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. Well, all uh, right. Okay. Hmm. Well we'll see where it goes. I think it's well I think it's I think it's probably not done yet. I it's kinda like though the netbook, right? Remember when Sony's I think it was Sony. When Sony's CEO came out. When the when the first netbooks hit, like the Triple E Sevens that were Celeron based and shipped with Xandros Linux, when those things hit the market, I th- I think it was him that said this is going to lead to a to bottoming out of the PC industry. It's going to be a race to the bottom, and it's going to tank our sales because it's going to set new expectations and consumers on what prices should be. And that is exactly what happened. Yeah,
1: that this is, is ex- this is exactly what happened with software too.
0: It, exactly now, but I think you are now seeing. You've seen like a uh, uh, shaking out and now the companies that are making really good products like Lenovo and Apple and then some of the niche manufacturers who focus in on their on their demos, they are having success in sales. And the guys that make substandard products are you know, selling their companies and going private again and all these kinds of things.
1: Hey, 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 Dell's great. What?
0: Oh, uh, so but you see what I'm saying? Like that same kind uh, of trend could play out in software now where you've had all of this drive to the bottom. And it's probably not done yet, and then it, but and then when it kind of shakes out, the quality remains. And I think, I think that's where good design comes in because, like I said, for somebody to recognize quality, there has to be good design. And so I still think there could be a valued argument for good design. I just think it has to be matched with higher I prices. Don't,
1: I don't care how good your screenshots are. I think that the block from zero to, to any amount of money, even $0.99, cents, is still going to matter more. Now, if you're suggesting good design coupled with a different business model – such as uh, some sort of subscription, which is annoying to do on iOS. Or in-app or, purchases until or, lots of sues you. Right. <laughs> then, exactly. right, <laughs> and, and then we end up in the magical world of Texas. By the way, uh, apologies to Texas, but come on, guys.
0: Knock it off. All right, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover before we run today?
1: No, I need to get dressed. I, I have to go do a shootout with the sheriff.
0: Right, down in Texas. Going down, down in Texas.
1: In Texas. We're, we're, we're doing it. I'm going to have my pink cowboy hat be great
0: i'm looking forward to that all right well if you want to get a hold of the show and give us your feedback go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com and pop that contact link then choose coda radio in the drop down you can also email us coda radio jupiterbroadcasting.com don't forget coda radio show is live on mondays over at 9 a.m and that is noon eastern over at jblive.tv and of course you can catch us live or i'm sorry you can catch the downloads monday afternoons over at jupiterbroadcasting.com mr dominic you have yourself a fantastic weekend be a quick draw
1: Hell yeah.
0: (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week.